guess the first question would probably be about how the project comes about, because I know obviously you've got the background of, of doing the book on Truman. How did yeah. uh, this particular book come about? Well, this, this book came about, um, I, I actually had it in mind to do it before I was offered the chance to do Truman. So um, it came about when I, I chanced completely by accident to, to meet the last survivor of the match. Um, there was a guy called Frank Shipston, and he opened the batting for Nottingham in this game. Okay. And uh, in, in December 2000, or well, in late 2000, let's say, Shipston became the oldest surviving county cricketer um, when a guy called Jimmy Hutchinson from Derbyshire died. Uh, so in 94, Shipston became the oldest living county cricketer, if you like. Yeah. And I, I was working for the Nottingham Evening Post, and it, 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 was, it came to my attention. So they sent me round to interview him, just as a general sort of overview of his life and career. Yeah. <clears throat> and he was actually a fairly modest career, as you'll see. He only played about 49 first-class games, but he played with Larwood and Bose, obviously, in that great side of the 20s and 30s. And one of the few games he played in was this match. So, um, and I couldn't believe it, you know, because obviously... I mean, it's a very famous record, isn't it? I remember seeing it as a kid, you know, in Wisdom, sort of 10 for 10, age verity, and it seems very magical. Yeah. You know, the surname makes it seem magical as well, a really rich sound to the figures. So I knew about the record, and then when I went round to interview him, I was mainly interested in talking to him about that. So that's how it came about. So I had a direct link with the game. Yeah. Um, and then um, in 2005, Yorkshire held... Uh, an exhibition to mark the 100th anniversary of Hedley Verity's birth at Headingley. And at that exhibition, Verity's son Douglas came over from his home in North Wales. And one of the items he brought over was the 10 for 10 ball. And um, I sort of introduced myself to him and I told him about meeting Frank Shipston and all the rest of it. And, you know, how fascinated I was by his feet because I always regarded it as the most remarkable cricket record of all. Yeah. And um, he sort of brought the ball over to me later that day in the press box, you know, away from the sort of long room, bit, if you like, and, and let me sort of have a look at it. And we got chatting, and I got, you know, I became sort of friends with him, really. And he, he was very, very keen that this project should be should be done, so he helped me a lot as well. Um, and, and to cut a long story short, I then... Um, I then wrote an article in the Yorkshire Post about this exhibition and about sort of holding the 10 for 10 ball. Yeah. And that in, that in turn inspired a letter from a bloke, um, from a reader who wrote to me to say that he was at the match. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this guy, and he lived, he lived in Eardy in, in Lancashire. I think it's just on, just on the, just inside the Lancashire border. Um, and I went. I drove on spec to his house because he didn't have his address on it. I think he was 90 years old at the time. And he, he remembered seeing this game as a kid. So I, as I say, I interviewed the last survivor. Then I happened to, to interview one of the, I think there's only about 2,000 people who saw it, and, and he was one of them. Wow. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm interested as well. Uh, um, there are a lot of Yorkshire fans out there that have a, such a passion for the history of the game. So um, mm. as much as, you know, 100 years as today, to be honest with you. Um, but equally, you've got a, a responsibility as an author and um, a, a duty, I suppose, to try and bring that to life because it is a long time ago. And even though you've yeah. got the stats and you've got wisdom and all the other written histories, um, 
is that a, a cha- or has that been a challenge for you in terms of um, a- attempting to make it engaging and accessible? Yeah, it, I suppose it has, but it's not just about the game, if you know what I mean. It's also about the colour around it, and yeah. what's going on in the world, and that that sort of helps. And obviously, it's also a portrait of verity as well. Um, but I'm lucky because the, the cricket writers of the 1930s, um, that A, there were a lot of them, and B, they, they would write a lot of stuff about the game. You know, they would have sort of various editions each day. So the, the reports, as, as you probably know yourself, are quite comprehensive. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't a problem piecing the match together, and it was actually quite a, you know, quite an interesting game. You know, I mean, obviously, if you like Lala playing this, it, it's really good. And there's lots of quirky stuff around it. Headingly was undergoing massive reconstruction at the time because the the rugby stand that is up there now uh, was actually being built while this game was going on. So Verity actually performed the feat to the backdrop of, of what was effectively a building site. <laughs> Um, so that sort of adds to it because you, you'd think he'd, he'd be doing it in like arboreal surroundings, but yeah. it, it wasn't. It wasn't like that. But there's, there's a lot of colour and, and quirk around it. Not you know, not least sort of what's going on in the papers at the time and, and all the rest of it. So um, and then the players themselves are very characterful. You know, I mean, even the Nottinghamshire team with with Arthur Carver, captain. You probably you probably know about him. He was a very sort of colourful guy and he'd sort of get his fastballers drinking beer and all sorts of things <laughs> so, uh, so there's a lot you know it, it, there's a lot of colour in it I think from the period uh, and I guess another point I was going to ask you about was um, awards because uh, mm. you don't obviously start a book project aiming to uh, pick up lots of awards but it's always nice when it comes along um, and obviously your last book was really successful does that add any pressure does it add any well, any um, worry in terms of the next book project is trying to match it or, or surpass it, I suppose? No, I mean, it, to be honest, it's a completely different book for a start. I mean, it's only half the size. Um, it's a totally different... I mean, it's not a biography. It's, it, it is effectively a story. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't expect it to be... Um, to cap, you know, to, to interest people as much. I mean, it, it fascinates me personally. It's, to me, it's far more interesting... It's far more an interesting project than, than it was to write about Truman. Um, it's some, you know, and it's something I really wanted to do. Um, but I, I don't think, you know, it, it's a niche subject in a way, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. And you know, but I hope that because it's actually about a world record rather than just Yorks and Mots in 1932, a lot of people like it. But I, I just wrote it simply to read. Um, because I was put in an opportunity where I felt I had a duty to do it, really. You know, and it's something to, to give back to the game, isn't it? You know, if, yeah. you, if you find yourself in a position where you suddenly, by accident, are talking to the last survivor of the game and you get to know Verity's son, then it's, um, you know, it was a, a no-brainer, really, just to sort of write, write the story because I just found it so interesting. And I suppose uh, it's a pretty obvious question, but I'll, I'll certainly ask it. I mean, in terms of... His figures of ten for ten. Um, mm. Do you see them being beaten? I mean, you know, in, in the modern game, when they're very different games, obviously compared to when Verity was playing and when you're featuring that match. But um, is it something you can see being shattered? <laughs> well, well, I hope, I hope it doesn't get broken before this book comes. Yeah, out. exactly. All about the timing. The subtitle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of the story of the twelfth greatest bowling for you. One won't be as catchy, but. Um, I mean, everybody, you look at it and you think there's no chance. And obviously it's 80, what, two years ago now. Um, and literally no one has come 
has come close to doing it. I think I worked out no one who's taken the first nine wickets in an innings has done it for less than sort of ten runs. So no one's ever really been in a position to beat it. But having said that, um, I think I noticed, I think it may even have been this century, that Paul Wiseman uh, playing, I think, down in New Zealand, the former Durham player, I think he took nine for 13. So, okay. you know, if, if, for example, you know, there was four runs edged through the slits or something, and if they'd gone to hand, if that ball had gone to hand, he would have ten for nine. So if you can't sort of say that it would never be broken, yeah, um, particularly in a you know in a first class match overseas perhaps where the standard of opposition on one side is significantly worse than than, than the other side. Um, but you know it it would be difficult. Obviously, in Verity did it in the days of uncovered pitches and the pitch was drying. Yeah. After after torrential rain, but by all accounts, you know, talking to Frank Shipston and talking and looking at the newspaper accounts of the day. Although the pitch helped him, um, you know, it, it wasn't, it, it couldn't explain the feat. And then the other thing, John, is immediately after it, Holmes and Sutcliffe added 139 unbroken stand to take Yorkshire home by 10 wickets, which just makes it even more incredible. Uh, it does, yeah. Um, so I think, um, you know, it's, um, it, it is difficult to see it being broken, but the, the really amazing thing is that even in the days of uncovered pitches, no one has ever had a chance or put themselves in with a chance of beating it. No. So it really does stand out on its own as a, a sort of an Everest, if you like. And I suppose uh, a final thought about the compilation of the book is would be around um, what resource material uh, and, you know, first-class... Uh, obviously, you've... You've, you've talked to a relative of, of Verity, but um, what other materials have you kind of used in the research? Is you someone who enjoys getting stuck into that side of the book? Um, I wouldn't say I, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say I overly enjoy it, but I think you, really, you do really have to do it. I mean, I think um, in, in, in some respects it was a harder book to do than Truman in that regard because at least with Truman I had a lot of um, you know sort of people who knew him and and I could talk to people about him a lot. Um, in this case, I've, I've, I think the research has, has been perhaps even broader in some respects. Um, as I say, the newspapers at the time, I really enjoyed going through them because they're so colourful and, and quirky and things that would never get written about today. Yeah. Sort of, you know, like, for example, Princess Margaret having a tea party or something. You know, it's, <laughs> it's some wonderful sort of quirk in it. I really enjoy that. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, really, it's just a case of trawling through the papers and all the books you can lay your hands on and trying to um, to bring it out. Because obviously, it's not just about ten for ten; it's about Verity, it's about the other twenty-one players in the game. Yeah, it's about the umpires, it's about the period. You know, so the research is actually quite quite substantial um, in, in in this case. 